Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Isn't God good? Amen. I believe some of us this morning can feel it. Amen. Can you? Isn't God good that He would take the time to meet with us? You know, He's got a lot to do. (laughs) He's got a lot on His hands, and yet He thought that it'd be good this morning just to meet here for a little while. Just to let His Spirit breathe through, touch your heart, give you just a little encouragement. Amen. Just Just a little boost. Just a little joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Isn't God good? And shouldn't we praise Him that He would think of us? What is man that thou art mindful of Him? Amen. He's got all of the world, all of creation and the heavens and the earth and the sky and the stars and the sun and the moons and all the things of the universe to take care of. And yet He took the time this morning to speak to you. Why would He do that? Well, it's simple. He's good. Because He's a good God. Because He loves you. Amen. Hope you've got a blessing this morning because I'm going to tell you, there was blessings to be had. I know I got a blessing. And now my brother's going to come and preach to you. I appreciate him coming. Uh, the Bible tells us that we are to be instant in season and out of season. My brother's a pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Russell Springs, Kentucky. And this morning he's got... Somebody filling in for him, probably Brother Zach, I'm assuming, or not. Hopefully, we're hoping. So I'm, I'm glad he's here. He's my brother, my little brother, amen, six, seven and a half. He's proud of that half. Uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. But the Lord's uh, called him. He's been a pastor for what, six years, something like that, five, six years? Amen. And he's going he's gonna to preach to you now, so get your Bible. And give him your attention. Let the Lord speak to you. We've met with the Lord already, but now he, I believe he wants to tell us something this morning. Amen. So open your ears and your hearts and he'll come preach to you. Amen. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I apologize. I'm not Brother Matt and Daniel. I'm a little bit taller, a whole lot heavier, and a whole lot uglier. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Paul. Well, I love the Lord. I'm glad that God, that the God of this universe doesn't just meet with us over in Russell Springs. I'm glad He's not just over in Noseyville, Kentucky, over where uh, I was born and raised, Noseyville. That's where New Water is, in case you're wondering, amen. And uh, Spunky Ridge, some of them call it, Noseyville. Uh, I'm glad He's over here in Shepherdsville, and He's real. And I'm enjoying him this morning. I'm enjoying him. I'm just in awe at God and how good he is to us. And I don't want to get in the way of him. 
And when he, when he manifests his presence as he has already, I just feel uncomfortable. Because he's real. All right, I'm going to try to preach Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Matthew chapter 14. I am honored to be here. I appreciate what the Lord's doing in my brother's life. Uh, Paul, he is, uh, he is, uh, he's my brother, he's my friend, and uh, I love him. And I'm glad you guys have uh, decided and the Lord allowed for him to come here. And I'm anxious to see what God's going to do. And uh, just thankful, just thankful. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. If you're there, say amen. amen. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get, to, or to get into a ship and to go before him and to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. Please don't just skim God's Word and see these details and as odd as they are, just allow them to exist oddly and we not exactly understand why God's doing what He's doing. Jesus constrained His disciples to go out onto a ship out on the sea and went apart from them, separated Himself from them, went up on a mountain, the Bible said, and began to pray alone. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. So out in the dark, here comes Jesus walking on the water. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said unto him, uh, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come uh, unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter uh, was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a, of a truth thou art the Son of God. Now don't stop. Let's read these next three verses. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out unto all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. That'll be all the reading. I got quite a bit of ground I want to cover. But I'm going somewhere. How many of y'all heard preachers say that and thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. I've got a desire to help you this morning. And I know many of you all sitting in this sanctuary today have probably forgot more Bible than I've ever learned. But God's Word is quick. It's powerful. I love this. You know, how many of y'all, I mentioned Facebook earlier, how many of y'all ever been on Facebook, been talking about something, and then look, and there was the ad about what you was talking about. Does that creep you out? No, there was a book that was doing that way before Facebook. Well, I can't tell you how many times I've just been reading in my daily Bible reading. And God put something in there. <laughs> God help me. He inspired a man thousands of years ago to pin something down knowing a little old loser boy named Caleb was going to need that. And it just happened to be exactly in the middle of his Bible reading for that specific day. Are you kidding me? 
This book's alive, friend. It's got a pulse. It breathes on us, friend. And I know some of y'all's looking at me thinking, this kid does not know what he's doing. But praise the Lord, I'm just going to give you what God's given us. And I hope it'll bless you. I want you to notice, first of all, by way of introduction, the constraint of the disciples. The Lord, the Bible says, constrained His disciples. That means He, he listen to me, He aggressively instructed them. He wanted them to go out into this sea. He didn't give them an option not to. His instruction was, get on that ship and head out into that sea. So the disciples did. Now, let's just take a step back for a second and remember and realize something. Jesus is 100% God. Is that not correct? He's omniscient. He knows everything. Did He not know that there was going to be a really bad, boisterous storm out in the middle of that sea? Did He not know it was going to scare them to death? Did He not know they were going to be afraid for their life? Why, sure He did. And yet the Bible said He constrained them to go out into that sea. Let me remind you something. We don't pick our storm. We don't pick our storm. And, and most of the time, now there are storms that are self-inflicted. Let's be real with ourselves. Most of the time, God has ordained us to go through the storm of our life for a specific purpose. We see here again the omniscience of God. God, Jesus, He knew what they were going out to. But we also see the opportunity for the disciples. Please remember something. Your storm has a purpose in your life. God wants you to learn some things. God wants you to grow. God wants you to know more about Him and become closer to Him. There is an opportunity in that storm. There is an objective in that storm. That storm is to prepare you. That storm is to strengthen you. That storm is to become closer to God so that you and God can be closer together. Let me just remind you something. 2020 was a storm. And it's not been easy. And I, I, somebody asked me for service. How you doing? I said, I've been hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit for my dear life. And it ain't the prettiest sight sometimes. And it's kind of gross. Some of y'all thought hair in a biscuit. Ooh, that's right. That's what my life looks like sometimes. I'm just barely in there doing the best I can with what I got. But by the grace of God, I serve a God that's more than able, who loves me and who's taking care of me and who knows exactly where I'm at in that storm. The constraint, the constraint, we see that. Not only do we see the constraint, we see a contrary disturbance. I want you to realize something. This storm was weird. This was not your everyday storm. Yesterday, me and my wife, we loaded up all five of our youngins. We got two of our own, and God's allowed us to take in three beautiful children that come in from the bus ministry, and we're crazy about them. And we love them dearly. We loaded them up, got out on Highway 80, headed to Columbia, got on 55, headed to Campbellsville, stayed on 210, went on to Hodgenville, Got on Lincoln Parkway, and there was a storm the whole way. And can I tell you something? Wasn't that bad? This storm here, listen to me, and this it caused the Lord to go up on a mountain and pray for them. Did y'all hear me? This contrary disturbance was no ordinary storm. 
I believe personally, you say, Brother Shirley, I believe it's somewhat of a demonic thing. Ephesians 2 tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Here's a storm. Where storms stir up at in the air? Amen. And here's disciples out in the middle of a boat and a storm pops up and the Lord Jesus Christ had enough sense and discernment to know that my disciples are going to be out there on a boat out in the middle of this water and the devil's going to want to try and ruin their trip to where I've sent them to go. And Jesus headed up and started praying. What a Savior. Say, Brother Caleb, I don't know why God's doing what he's doing. I don't know why 2020 happened the way that. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. Not only was it a demonic storm, it was a dark storm. In the fourth watch of the night, the Bible said, they're out in the middle of that boat. I'm talking about being thrown and tossed all over the place. And not only that, they can't even see nothing while they're going through it. I don't know about you, I don't like the dark all that much. We were talking last night about that. My brother told a story about watching a scary movie. And Dad sent him out to put some hay out for our sheep. We was raised on a sheep farm. And Paul said when he got the hay out, he don't think he's ever run as fast as he did running back to the house in that barn. Thinking that some little old witch girl was going to get him. Amen. I think that's great. Darkness is scary. A demonic storm sounds pretty scary. Amen. Not only were they in the darkness, not only was it demonic, I believe. I believe they were desperate. There in verse 26, the Bible said that they began to cry out for fear. Didn't even recognize the Savior standing out there on the water. Thought he was some kind of ghost. Well, how many of y'all have been there? Huh? How many of y'all have been there where, where literally you're so worked up about your storm that you ain't even thinking straight? Yeah. We see a, the constraint of the disciples. We see the contrary disturbance. Next, once you notice the calmness by the deity. There in verse 32, we see him ceasing the storm. Ain't that a blessing? Look, listen. Every storm has an end. There's always, listen, there's always clear skies to come after our storm. And we temporal-minded, fleshly, carnal men and women that we are, we get so hung when we're in the middle of it, don't we? We forget about the storms of the past. We forget about the end that's near. And we just allow it to captivate and ruin our whole life. Look, I don't know. I'm not in your shoes. Alright, I don't know what your storm is. You're not in my shoes. You don't know what my storm is. I do know this. I know the God of the storm. You know, Jesus walked out on that water. Do y'all think that water was just calm like glass? Let me tell you something. I don't believe the Lord was bobbing as He walked on I don't believe you. Look, that water wasn't going to manipulate our Savior. The Savior was going to manipulate the watch. <laughs> that storm was not going to manipulate our Savior. The Savior was going to manipulate the storm. We see the calmness by the Savior there in verse 32. Then we see the collective submission in verse 33. They immediately bowed to Him. We see the confident statement by Peter. Lord, remember you come out there. And Peter did. So oftentimes Peter gets a trophy for that. Let me remind you of something. That ship's a picture of the church. Sometimes people go outside the church and try to serve God separately. 
And let me tell you something, they may do good for a little bit, but they're going to start sinking. That ship will keep them up on top of the water. That old, look here, that old gospel ship, amen, it'll keep them up on top of that water. Peter shouldn't have got off the boat. Boy, I ain't never heard of such. He shouldn't have. He went to sinking. Amen. The Lord had to save him. He called out and the Lord did save him. This is all by way of introduction. So why is that? Because y'all know all this. I'm just trying to help you. See, so oftentimes we allow the storms of our life to ruin, to ruin everything. We need not forget that God is still the God of the storm. This is the assault of Satan. Next, I want you to notice the afflicted of those that are saved. The affliction of those that are saved. I want you to notice an underlying detour. You don't have to go over there, but in the book of Mark, chapter 6, you find a, a parallel passage. Of course, the Gospels are known for that. Amen. In Mark, chapter 6, the Bible says that when the Lord constrained them onto the ship, pay attention, when the Lord constrained them onto the ship, He told them, I want you to go over to Bethsaida. That's what the Bible says. And once you'll study your Bible, you'll find out that they had already been in Bethsaida, and Bethsaida didn't have a good thing to say about anything they had to offer. Bethsaida was a wicked place, and they turned their back on God, and the Bible said that Jesus performed many miracles, and it didn't do them an ounce of good. And Jesus told His disciples, get on that ship and head toward Bethsaida. I ain't got a map for you and I didn't do a big presentation, but look here, you can study it and find out that they didn't end up in Bethsaida. That storm that they hated, that storm that ruined their life, that storm that they were absolutely in desperate, desperate condition and, and they were in pure darkness and, and it was probably demonic, that, that terrible storm moved their ship over and landed them in a place called Gennesaret. So oftentimes, God uses demonic storms to bring His will to pass. I don't understand, Brother K. If you knew what I was going, if you knew the things I've experienced, and if you knew how dark it was, yeah, look, I don't need to know, but I know this, that God's fully capable of using whatever you're going through to put you in His perfect... I don't have an ounce of Calvinist in my body. Not an ounce. I preached a series on all points of that tulip. I stand against all of them as the Calvinists would have it. If you don't, I apologize. We can still be friends, maybe. But I know this, our God is sovereign. And He's so sovereign, Brother Tim, that He can give you all the free will you want and He'll still have His. Amen. And He ain't never chose anybody to die lost and go to hell. Amen. Not one single, not Amen. one of them. Amen. Not one of them. No. It's a free gift for all men. God was able to use a demonic storm. Listen to me. A dark storm. A storm that put them in pure despair and moved them on down that coast and, and look here, and land that ship at a place called this was the underlying detour. Don't sell your storm short. I don't understand exactly why God does everything, but boy, it's so fun when I get to see Him do it. I'm only 30. 
I'm 30 years old. Paul is my old brother. <laughs> Me and my precious wife, we got married when we were 20. Miss Heather back here. I wouldn't make her stand, but she'd kill me. I love her. We got married when we was 20. Shortly thereafter, see, my wife loves babies. I have to keep her from eating them. <laughs> She'll eat their faces off. How many of you ladies is like that, huh? Ain't nothing better than kissing a chubby baby face. Huh? And uh, we started trying to have babies. And it just wasn't working. We go in the doctor, the doctor say, everything looks like it ought to be working. Well, bless you. <laughs> it don't. And boy, it was hard. And at the time, my wife was an ultrasound technician. Phonography. She did ultrasounds on women that were pregnant. Some days she'd go in to be 14-year-old girls with every intention of having an abortion. And she'd do an ultrasound. Those nights were hard. Boy, we'd come home, Heather just be weeping. Why, why, why won't God, why? We didn't know. We just kept serving God. We did bus ministry work over there at Friendship. We did the boys' home ministry over there in Sonora. Ah, we did everything we could just to be faithful. And then a bad storm set in. A bad storm, Paul. And we had to leave that place. We, we started New Water there. I was a charter member. Me and my wife both. Of course, this was in 2014. Started trying to have kids about 2011, 2012. Nothing was happening. We start that church over at New Water. And it was, it, was, it was scary. Oh, it was so scary. I just didn't know what in the world to think. Talked to my dad quite a bit about it. You know, we really wasn't in a place at that time to try to get a bus ministry going again, which was my role at the old church. My role was just to do whatever they'd ask. And there was a little church that I didn't know existed over in Russell Springs. And they found out that I was a King James Bible preacher. Because I am. And that's all they knew. And I had the weirdest conversation with a man by the name of Dale Selby. He was the only deacon. And he called me sitting on a john boat in the middle of a pond with Gordon Berry. Quite the experience. And this guy says, hello? And I said, hello? He just sat there for the longest time. I'm like, is somebody there? And finally he says, I heard you preach the King James. We're looking for a preacher. Will you come preach for us? I said, yeah. And long story short, I ended up pastoring that church. And up pastoring that church. When that church first called me, I told Heather, we were still at Friendship, and I said, you know, there's no way I can walk away from all these ministries. There's just no way. God said, okay, well, I'll make a way. I'm going to allow you to go through a terrible storm. And it's not going to be fun. And you're going to get out of the bed about 4 o'clock in the morning and get down on the floor and weep about it. Because it was the only church I'd ever been part of. My dad started pastoring that church when I was born. And I'm going to rip you from that place. And it's going to be a bloody, nasty mess. It's going to be dark. You're going to feel terrible. But then, maybe, you'll consider doing my will and going over to Grace Independent Baptist Church in Russell Springs. And that's exactly what happened. I loved being a charter member of New Water, but it just wasn't God's will. 
I didn't have a role. I didn't have a place for the family. I mean, they're my family. They're my friends. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. But man, God said, if you turn from this, you're just simply saying, I don't want to do your will, God. And so I went, Paul. And I got over there. Me and Heather were still, we're just trying to serve God. But in our hearts and minds, there was a dark cloud hovering. Because we just loved babies and we felt that God wanted us to have children and we were doing the best we could and it just wasn't working. And after five years, I'd been rabbit hunting with beagle hounds because that was my way of escape. And I come in the bedroom and she showed me something I'd never seen before, a positive pregnancy test. And I collapsed. She was going in for a, ain't it funny, she was going in for a, uh, <clears throat> a physical exam. They just did one and it was... That's so simply said now, but man, in that moment, I, you know where I was at, Paul. I was miserable. God gave us, look here, gave us our, our first baby. I'm going somewhere with this story. That dark storm I was in. We got to have our first, what I call, our spring jubilee. And one of my buddies, Cole Russell, was coming. Brother Cole's a lot like me, he's just a goober. He was going to sing. We'd have listen, we'd have never had that spring jubilee if God hadn't allowed a terrible storm to brew up in my life. Two of them. Leaving that church and going through what I was going through with our, our infertility. And I remember I was so excited. We decided we're going to tell everybody this jubilee. Everybody. I'm going to let everybody know. It was amazing. And Cole and Casey come in there and they hadn't been married long. And he come up and, and I said, come here, i got to tell you something. Me and Heather pulled him aside. I said, yes. Gonna have a baby. And Casey just immediately wrapped up Heather in her arms and was so excited. And Cole hugged me. And when Cole let go, Paul, he was crying. And Cole Russell don't cry. He's just one of them that he just don't cry much. And I was like, "What's the matter?" He goes, "I'm just happy for you. I'm just happy." I said, "Cole, what's going on?" And with tears running off his cheeks, he said, "You and Heather have been such a help to me, Casey." Because we've been going eight months now and it's not worked yet. And we just knew that if y'all would keep going, we could too. You know what that was? That was a storm that put us where I was supposed to be in the middle of that parking lot over in Grace Baptist Church's parking lot. Talking to somebody I didn't even know was going through the storm. And I was able to comfort him with the comfort that I was comforted with, which is exactly what the Bible said we're supposed to do. Woo! <laughs> hey! Don't sell your storm short. Don't sell your storm short. You act like you, you know. You act like you don't. You don't know what, you, why and how and God. Why would you allow this? And God knows what He's doing. There was an underlying detour. There was an undertaking of delivery. The Bible then says this. Notice they get into that place called Gennesaret, and everybody that knew Him drew them, and they went out. Listen to me, and started bringing everybody that was sick to Jesus. Come to this guy. He'll help you. But then we see. An odd thing. There's an understanding that's declared, and I'm done. This is it. The Bible said they started bringing everybody in. Listen to me. And they started having them touch the hem of his garment. I'm no theologian. Don't claim to be. But I know what the gospel is. For the first Corinthians. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the answer. 
I don't know that I've ever heard Jesus say, for whosoever shall touch the hem of my garment shall be saved. Help me. Is that not right? I mean, that's not... That's not... But you know, back in chapter 9 of the book of Matthew, there was a woman with an issue of blood that she had been toiling with for 12 years. And the Bible said she pressed through the crowd. <laughs> and look here, she started worshiping him. You said, what do you mean? She got down real low. <laughs> and the Bible said she reached up and just got a hold of that hem of his garment. That hem's a good picture of Christ. Folded up with under, pierced within and without. He just touched that hem of his garment. And the Bible said she was immediately healed. You know where that was located? Over there in Capernaum, right up next to Gennesaret. And the Bible said that they went out and started telling everybody about that. And lo and behold, right up the road, word had traveled. And they started dragging people to him and telling them why. Because there was a woman that met Jesus and started telling people about what Jesus had done. As a young man, I can remember hearing the stories. I remember Brother Tim Berry. Brother Tim Berry, he's a jail missionary. He would tell his testimony of salvation. He'd say, man, I tell you, he said, I was wicked, I was ungodly, I was over at Finest Berry's house, and, and we would go over there and play music. Hey, Amen. We'd just sit around and play music. And he said, one night we were sitting over there, and I was playing the guitar, or, or, and they was all playing, I was just sitting there, and he said, and I was absolutely neck deep in the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And Brother Finest Berry looked over at Tim Berry, and he said, hey, hey Tim, you want to play? Tim Burry didn't understand what he said. He said, Lord, yes, I want to pray. And he, look here, folded up under a recliner, hey, and got gloriously born again that night. I remember Brother Gordon Berry. I'm kin to a lot of Berries. Amen. Gordon Berry tells a testimony about how he was eat up with conviction. I mean, all the time, couldn't sleep because of the conviction. And look here, one day, finally, he was in God's house, and the preacher preached it straight. And he preached hell hot. And Gordon said he just finally got done. And this is what Gordon Berry says. He said, I was sitting in that pew. And he said, I just got totally done living in my lost estate. He said, and I stood to go get saved. He said, and in that moment, I have no doubt that I put all my faith in him in that moment. And that's when I actually got saved. He said, I went down to the altar, but I saved back at the pew. Because I put my faith in Jesus. I remember hearing stories about my daddy, Brother Tim Shirley. He was at a vacation Bible school and getting eat up with conviction. Lost, friend, lost over there at Brush Creek Baptist Church. And he went out and run out and got in the car and got down the floorboard and was tore up from the floor up, friend. And old Gurney went out there, my grandmother, and she got a hold of him and said, Timmy, what's the matter with you? He said, I'm lost. He said, and they went back in the church and this is what he says. He says, when I went back in there, he said, I passed this old lady he said, and I thought that's the ugliest one woman I've ever seen in my life. He said, and I got down on the altar and I started to call on the Lord. He said, and I got saved. <laughs> he said, and just like every old church, when I got saved, they went around to shake hands. He said, that same old ugly woman come by and I thought she was the prettiest woman I ever saw. Changed this whole world. I think about Eddie Bradshaw, man over there at Grace Baptist Church. 
I got there, and you know what they told me? They said, well, we want to know your testimony of salvation. So I called on them one Sunday night and said, now I want to know y'all's testimony of salvation. Paul, oh, that wouldn't be a bad idea, amen? <laughs> Brother Eddie Bradshaw stood up. He said, I was a truck driver, and I was wicked. I was ungodly. And I knew I needed to get saved. He said, and I was headed down the interstate. He said, and God got a hold of me so strong, I knew if I didn't pull over, he's probably just going to go ahead and kill me. He said, and I jerked her off the road, got out of that tractor trailer, crawled up under it, and called upon the Savior of the universe. and got gloriously born again. I'm telling you about some folks' stories. You know what will save you faith? Now, you don't have to get saved at church. You don't have to get saved anywhere specifically. You just got to believe Him. I was seven years old. And like every other redneck seven-year-old boy, I wanted a pocket knife. And I saved up $10. Ten $1 bills, snack money. Back when you could buy a ski and a candy bar for snack at school. Is that even a thing anymore? I don't know. 50 cents a piece. I bought a ski or a double cola and a Snickers. And I quit eating them so I could save up money so I could buy me a pocket knife. Some of you men ought to be running laps. Amen. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. I got home. Dad said, all right, boy, now you got your pocket knife. Paul had one already at the time. He said, let's sit down here on the porch. He grabbed us a pile of sticks. He said, let's whittle. Amen. Amen. But what's whittling? Just cutting sticks with your knife. Amen. <laughs> Skinning the bark off of sticks. Amen. Hallelujah. We sat there for a while, did it, got dark. That's all right, boys, time to go to bed. I crawled upstairs and we had a fold out chair that somebody won by turning in Doral cigarette packages. Amen. <laughs> it said Doral on the back of it. And I took that knife and I was just figuring around and I flipped her open. And I put my hand on the back of that fold-out chair and I went and cut the top of my finger. Not bad, not bad, but bad enough it was bleeding. I turned to my brother, don't tell dad. <laughs> and down them steep, narrow steps, I went to one of them to get killed. Took a hard left and ran straight in the bathroom, shut the door behind me, turned the water on, put my finger under there. I was seven years old. I pulled my finger out, guess what? Still bleeding. Guess what? That don't stop. Paul's not going to tell Daddy. He loves me too much. <laughs> and I'll bleed all my blood out and die and go to hell. <laughs> That's funny, man, but I'm going to tell you, in that moment at seven years old, hell got real hot. And I got pure de-scared. And I said, oh God, don't let me die in here and go to hell. Paul heard me say it standing outside. Went and got Daddy. Daddy taught me something that night that I, I've never forgot. He come in there with a paper towel. He said, son, let me show you something. He took that finger, put pressure on it. He said, that pressure will make that blood clot. won't bleed no more. If he's right, he saved my life. Amen. <laughs> I'm saved. Thank you, God. And then he asked me a very important question. He said, son, your brother said he heard you in here afraid he's going to die and go to hell. He said, you want to pray? He said, yeah, daddy, I do. That Tim Burry I already told you the testimony of. He was our next door neighbor. 
He said, you want me to call Brother Tim? Have him come over and pray with us? I said, sure. We piled up in that living room over on 18 points, Gabe Perkins Road. Everybody over there calls it Saints Road. And I began to call on God. And it was such a weird experience for me. I just, I knew what it was to ask the Lord to save you. I knew what it was. I knew how to get saved. I just, it was hard to grasp. Amen. I was seven. I remember praying and crying and mama's crying and daddy's crying and we're just having a crying fit and, and it's there. I mean, the moment's there and, and the time is right and I'm, I'm calling on God to save me, but pay attention to me. You can ask the Lord to save you till you're blue in the face and it won't save you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say asking to save you. I'm just telling you the book. Guess what it says? Believe. Believe you are saved. Put your faith in what He has done and receive Him as your Savior. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that ask the Lord to come into your heart. There's a world of people out there telling everybody, just ask Jesus to come into your heart. It's not one time found in the Bible, Levi. Not one time. No, it just says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. And there I prayed. And I came to a moment where I said, I mean, I've done all I know to do. I mean, there's, I, I can't do anything else, God. About that time, Dad tapped me on the shoulder. He said, son, what about it? I said, just give me a minute. One more time. Seven years old, acting like a grown man. Amen. And I bowed my head. And then listen to me now. I came to the place where I said, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I don't know what else to do other than just believe you. And in that moment, I had the ability to turn to my mom and dad and say, I'm saved. How many of you got a story? How many of you got a story where you've been saved? Raise your hand if you've got a story. How many of you have shared it? That lady from, look here, that lady from Capernaum with that issue of blood, guess what we know? We know she shared it. Because a whole community called Gennesaret was just touching the hem of his garment. Because it worked for her. (laughs) That storm. We get so bent out of shape about that storm. And you know what God was doing? He was putting them where they needed to be so that they could do the work of God with success. Because over at Bethsaida, they didn't have no use for Jesus. And they get over there, and ain't it amazing how God just tied all these things together and allowed them to see a manifestation of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that if you'll just share it, He'll do something with it. Some of you sitting here today, look up in here, and you ain't got a story. And you're in the same place I was in at seven years old. And a little bitty old cut on your finger scare you to death because you're afraid you're going to die and go to hell. Look up here. It's time to get over yourself. It's time to get done with the fear. It's time to move past the pride. There's too many people suffering in hell today because they're too prideful to admit they were lost. Too many people 
Rode a church pew straight into the pits of hell and split it wide open. Why? Because their story was fiction. It was a farce. How many of you heard preachers say, I don't want to talk you out of salvation? Listen to me. If you ain't saved, you know it. And you ought to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It ought to be a serious thing. Some of you sitting in here today as lost as a ball in high weeds and sick of it. You'd be crazy to leave today to shake you in. Some of you here's got you a story. And you're so spoilt rotten in the grace of God. You don't care a bit about whether or not you tell it to somebody or not. Could not care. You'd have to be dead to care less. You ought to be telling somebody. You ought to share your story. Some of you sitting in here today and in the smack dab middle of a terrible storm and acting like God's just trying to ruin your life. And He might just be trying to put you exactly where He wants you in His sovereign will. That's amazing. There's plenty plenty of preach in this passage today. And my prayer is that I've done justice to it. Now it's your job to do something with it. Let's stand to our feet. Uh, Sis, you want to get on that piano over there? Paul's going to do one. Never mind, sis. Paul wants to sing. Tammy, you want Tammy to come? Tammy, you come on. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's looking this way. Paul, if I got liberty to have an invitation, we okay? Nobody's looking. I wouldn't go anywhere right now. I'd, I'd bow my head and be real serious right now about this. This is a serious time. How many of you today can say without a shadow of a doubt, Brother Cub, I've got me a story where I know that God saved me. Would you raise your hand and say, I know I'm saved, Brother Cub. God bless, God bless these hands. Is there anybody in here today that can't say that? Is there anybody in here today that cannot say with an absolute assurance that if they died right now, they'd go to heaven? Nobody's looking. I'm looking, but I'll never come get you. I'm just going to pray for you. Nobody's going to say anything to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you're lost, would you raise your hand and say, pray for me, Brother Caleb. I need to get saved. If I die right now, I, I, I know that I'm not going to go to heaven. Pray for me. How many of you today feel some conviction about your lack of sharing the gospel? How many of you today be honest say, pray for me, Brother Caleb. I need to tell it more. God bless that hand, sis. Hallelujah. God bless the hands. These people all around us going to die and go to hell. If somebody don't tell them. How many of you days in a storm? And needing to realize and come back to your right mind and remember that God is still the God of the storm. How many of you raise your hand and say, pray for me, Brother Caleb. I've got a storm. God bless that hand, sis. God bless that hand, sis. I've been there. Your storm may be worse than my storm. But I know what it's like. I can promise you this. He'll use that storm to put you just exactly where you ought to be. Whatever your need is today, this altar's open. They're going to sing. Why don't you come? Go ahead and sing for us, brother. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. 
If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.